I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's good, everybody, man? So things have changed on this podcast a little bit. Kind of why we've been a little bit inconsistent for the last week or so. There's an old face returning. We wait, unfortunately, we wave goodbye to Tim and Wayne. But what we do is we welcome back Brendan Nunes into the fold. Brendan's been gallivanting, globetrotting, doing all these random things around the world. Uh, in truth, he's been sitting in his bedroom in Southern California waiting for this opportunity. What's going on, Brendan? I'm doing good, man. I don't know why you're downplaying me. I was traveling the world in 80 days, like you were saying. Um, I'm glad to be back, though, man. I uh, appreciate you having me back on, and you know it's a good time to be talking Celtics. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, traveling the world's probably not very believable since the world's been on a complete lockdown. So uh, fair enough, fair enough. Unless you were swimming <laughs> everywhere, I don't know what your swimming is like, but I don't think fair you're getting from here to the, to London just swimming. Fair enough. You would have known. I would have would have stopped by. But, well, yeah, I mean, of course, it's me. Anyway, jokes aside, everybody, welcome back to Brendan. We're going to jump straight into it. The Celtics had a, I'd call it a tough loss. I mean, they kind of deserved it a little bit with the way their second quarter play went and then, you know, the way they went so ISO heavy down the stretch in the fourth and then through overtime. I'm kind of more concerned about getting Kemba over this hump and, yeah, getting Kemba over the hump and then figuring out how he's going to get that shot back, how he's going to become a focal point of the offense because at the moment, they're relying on Marcus Smart to be a scoring guard. And if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen earlier that I was not happy when he passed up that open shot to Jalen Brown. I was not happy with how selfish he looks. That's the problem for me. Once Smart gets in his own head that he's scoring, his facilitation, which is one of his strongest points, goes out the window. I don't know what you saw from that, Brendan, but I was very, very displeased. Yeah, I mean, there's some shot that, shots that Marcus needs to take, and I think part of him is is the confidence, and that's why he is an okay three-point shooter because, you know, his percentages aren't great. It's almost like Jay Crowder-esque, but he knocks most um, – not most of them, but he knocks enough down for you to feel okay about how many he takes, and he just really needs that supreme confidence um, in order to do that. But, yeah, it becomes a little much. There's always a heat check. Um I think there was something the other day I, I tweeted that like, you know, you feel weird about Marcus getting hot at the beginning of the game because you don't know if this is a good thing that he's going to go off or you're just ready for the heat checks to start when he's not making them. Um, I didn't think he was terrible. Like the play you pointed out was pretty bad. Um, and he kind of did heat up at the beginning of this game. Um, it, it became too much, but for the Kemba thing, I think that he's still out of a rhythm from the Toronto game really. Um, you know, the whole box and one that was going on against him. And I think that he got better looks in this Miami game. Some of them he just wasn't taking advantage of. Um, he still seems like a little hesitant. I think that when he goes back and watches the film, he'll see like he had some opportunities. And and then there were other ones that he did shoot that didn't even go down um, that I feel like normally he would, wake, would make. Like you're not going to get one of nine from the three from Kemba. He had some like the classic pick and rolls and then, shooting right behind the defender at the three-point line that just weren't going down. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, like Walker needs to shoot it one more time than Marcus. But I think that if Kemba was a little more dominant this game and like demanding of the ball as he should be, that Marcus probably would have threw it up a little less. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like Toronto got in his head a little bit. Those box and ones and those um, triangle defenses as well. They were throwing, what was it, triangle and two? They threw at him, they threw box and one at him for a bit of man-to-man coverage. And then you come up against Miami that supposedly have that weaker guard defense. They're, they're prob- you worry about their wing defense more than two. I'm coming in thinking this could be a game Kemba gets going. And they're throwing, they're hedging him straight off pick and rolls. They're throwing traps at him high up the floor. And they were kind of having Bam like 2-9 down in the paint, just making sure that there was no easy buckets down in the lane. And that really kind of, to me, threw straight off his game. He he didn't get going early. He was struggling to get the drive going. And he was hunting those shots in the mid-range quite regularly. And I'm fine with that because Kemba's mid-range game is bomb. So if you want Kemba shit, but... For me, that's you hit a couple of those to try and pull that defense up a bit to open those lanes to get the drive off. But whenever he did get a driving opportunity, he looked to pass the ball a little bit more than what I'd like. Or he'd make a bad decision and then bring the ball back out and reset the offense, which then gives the defense time to get back to their rotations as well. And now you're starting at a standstill with probably 10 seconds left on the clock, which isn't Celtics basketball. Yeah, outside of... The Celtics, Miami might be like the second best defense in this playoffs. Um, you know, the Lakers are up there, but really, you're right. Like they did key on Walker, especially after, and you know, same thing happened to a different extent in the last series. Um, but a lot of the guys, like it was matchup hunting in this one. And and I can't blame them. Like when you look at Miami's roster, you see Drogic and Robinson in the starting lineup with three pretty good defenders and Drogic and Robinson are, are like liabilities. Robinson played 17 minutes. He was in foul trouble, but also he was in foul trouble as proof that he's a defensive liability. And he wouldn't have been closing games anyways because he is a defensive liability. They throw Hero out there, who is better, I guess, but still not that great of a defender. Um, and, and they just were mismatch hunting too often. And that led to screens looking for switches since Miami was fairly switch heavy. And then just going at a one-on-one. and there was just less off-ball movement. And I think that that's where Kemba needs to work because we've seen him do it in the pick and roll, but we also know that he is totally capable of shooting off movement, coming off pin downs. If he can get a curl screen going to the basket or something like that, I think Stevens can be a little more creative than what he showed in the Miami game. I think that the idea was just to attack these mismatches and that I think with a couple more sets being run and Walker getting worked in off ball, you know, I, I was surprised that, I think he got fouled on a three-point shot. I think it was by Jimmy and knocked down three free throws. And I expected him to get a rhythm after that. And it just never happened. So I, I think that it'll take a few easy baskets from Kemba to kind of get him going a little bit at the beginning of a game. But I think that's going to ha- need to happen with off-ball movement. And that means the Celtics isolating a little less than they did because I see why you did, but it was just too much. And it's funny that you mentioned the isolations. Uh, I don't know if anybody's read it yet, but Jared Weiss put a piece out on The Athletic. And... To paraphrase, he was like, it's ironic that a Steve, a Boston Celtics, Brad Stevens team mismatch hunt, mismatch hunts in the isolation down the stretch when he, that team is so known for working for the next best shot and for passing the ball and making those rotations. And then to allow JT and Kemba to literally just slow the game down, go ISO and look for someone to bully. It's never really smart to work out like that. And I understand why Tatum was doing it. He felt like he had the game in the bag. He was able to finish. But against the Miami team, like I feel like a lot of people, I'm not saying the Celtics did this, but I definitely feel like a lot of people have come into this series sleeping on the heat. Like This is a team that just beat Giannis and Milwaukee. 
if you're going isolation against these guys, they've just had to deal with that with Giannis for the last series and look how that turned out for Milwaukee. So getting that ball movement going, they did a fantastic job of that in the third quarter, uh, Boston did, of getting that ball moving, finding open spaces and building that lead. But they just weren't able to close out defensive lapses. One of the things that Celtics have struggled with all season and partially last season as well was when guards penetrate off dribble drives and then they facilitate off that drive. And for some reason, it's just a caveat in the Celtics defense that really makes people's brains melt on those rotations. And it was happening again yesterday. That's why Dragic was so effective. And then they had Bam Adebayo running like like a point pivot spot up on the up on the um the elbow of the key, and then facilitating post entry passes to guys like Jimmy cutting off ball screens and going back door. And then I think it was in the third that they got hit with a couple of back door cuts, like on multiple possessions. And that was it. The fourth, it might have been the fourth. There was definitely some multiple back court back cuts that really put the Celtics under pressure. It narrowed that lead down. And those are too easy to be given up. There's no rotation. And it just felt like for very long stretches, the game stagnated on both sides of the floor. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're uh, firing shots at Jalen Brown to me because I feel like Jalen was so guilty of everything that you said. Um, yeah, I know I you mean, were directing I mean, straight Yeah, in. I'm not directing it. But if it's your man and that's your rotation and you're missing right. and you miss it three times in a row because that's how many back cuts got hit, it was one, two, three. And it was so easy. It was a little bit of high-low play and then a back cut and then a pass off the high, from high up and then boom, it was a bucket. And it was so frustrating because for me once, shame on you. For me twice, can't put the blame on you. You know where I'm going with right, this. Right, right, right. J. Cole. But it's true, right? I mean, you can't be having, like, you can't have that same cut kill you on three consecutive possessions. Right. Yeah. And I think throughout the game, um, you know, I was worried about Jalen's de- defense going into the series. I thought that, you know, he probably needed to be the main guy on Butler since you see a lot of him on ball um, doing well and then off the ball just, you know, situations like kind of what you mentioned. I, I don't know if it was Kemba's or uh, Jalen specifically in that play, um, but there were plenty of times that someone slipping behind him. Like I think if he's guarding a Duncan Robinson, he's probably not doing – I would not like him du- guarding Duncan Robinson – and, you know, that is uh, kind of how it started out in that game. I, or I'm sorry, I think Smart actually initially started out on him and uh, Jalen was on Crowder. But yeah, with all the switching going on, he ends up on, on Robinson. He ends up on Tyler Hero and Jalen just did a really poor job defensively for the most part. Um, at one point, I actually felt like I thought Wanamaker was playing better than Jalen. And, you know, Jalen makes some... Um, made, made some key plays, especially at the end. Like I think of that putback that was huge for him. Um, so he did give good effort and he hit some tough catch and shoot threes. Um, but yeah, I think that Jalen needs to be better defensively and I think that he will. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, also to shout out Wanamaker a little bit there, 25 minutes in a Eastern Conference finals game. And I actually didn't feel like we were like stealing minutes with him. I felt like he was a pretty good contributor. He was the energy guy off the bench in this game. Um, I've got a piece coming out about him later today or tomorrow. Um, simply because I've been very vocal about what I feel Wanamaker doesn't bring it to the table. So when he brings new things to the table and does well, then I should be courteous enough to point that out as well because I'm not a douche. Okay, so tweeted out again? Well, no, I mean, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> stuff happens, things get said. But in all, in all seriousness, like his dribble drive game and the way he plays is so 
heavily predicated to the way that the Heat defend and how to break down that Heat defense, that he's going to see like real consistent and valuable minutes on the floor. He Look, this dude was shooting 60% of his shots. No, yeah, 40% of his shots, my bad. All through the regular season have been at the rim. Now, Miami are great when, you, when you're attacking from the wing, but if you're penetrating from the top and you're beating your guard on the, off the dribble and then just driving and causing foul trouble, causing rotations and then hitting your dump-offs, then you're going to be a real problem. Uh, that's what Wanamaker did. He only took five shots, let's be fair. He made three of them, drew an and one on his first one where he, went, where he had that reverse coming off the baseline. Um, went five for five at the line. Led the game in steals. You know, joint top with joint top assists in the for the Celtics with five steals. Yeah, he led. I mean, this was the thing, dude. And those steals were coming all over the shop. He had the one to end the fourth quarter where he stripped Bam Adebayo and went coast to coast. He had one where um, he stripped Dragic to like to kill a fast break opportunity for Miami, and that's the one where Smart passed up Jalen Brown to shoot that free. Uh, there was loads. He was killing it in transition. He was doing it on um, when the game slowed down in the half court. And then he, the majority of his passes were like a like a pivot point. So he would get the ball and literally just redirect it to the nearest open man. It was really selfless game from him. If he can play like that and then penetrate with the the intensity that he was penetrating with in game one, then you'll probably see him have some like legit minutes and make a real contribution in this series. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the, he did. He really did a good job, and and I was glad to have that bench contribution from him because the other guys they do okay, but those are really stealing minutes. When you're talking Ojale, Grant, Robert Williams, um, they played well. Um, but overall, you do at least personally, I feel like you're kind of stealing minutes with those guys there. And I listened to a bit of the Locked On pod, and he had pointed out that you know there was a moment where. Uh, Brad had Wanamaker, Ojale, and Williams all out there. Three just absolute bench guys. And I think he realized pretty quickly that that should not be the case. Uh, it was a it was a good little run for the Heat at that point in the second quarter. And Brad didn't go back to the lineup. Uh, like I said, John Krause was the one who pointed that out. Um, but that's that's something that you know just shouldn't be happening. But I think the guys are tired. And... You know, like they just played a really long, draining, even from a viewer's point of view, series in Toronto. I'm sure these guys are exhausted. And to lose by three points to a damn good team, like when really like the Celtics had this. The Celtics had this, I feel like. And then in that beginning of the fourth quarter, you know, they won the third. They won the third, 28-16. That eighth time of asking, dude. Yeah. It took eight but, attempts to win a fight. <laughs> and they won it pretty convincingly. But, you know, that that curse just extended into a little bit of the beginning of the fourth instead. And, yeah, the Celtics blew what was a pretty nice lead. Um, I think that, you know, there were just some lapses. Like, there was a moment, I believe, uh, switching with Tyler Hero at the top of the three. And... I forget who was who the two players were switching, but you know it just didn't happen quick enough. And Tyler here was holding the ball, and nobody was found himself with nobody near him, and pulled up, hit a big shot. Um, Jimmy hit a crazy big three that I believe is at the end of regulation, um, with someone draped all over him. He hit the crazy and one, which was not a foul by the way. It was phenomenal defense by Tatum, um, but Jimmy knocked down that crazy floater to give Boston to give Miami the lead. 
And then Tatum makes a damn good play, blows by Jimmy Butler on the switch, and just gets stopped by an all-time play in that BAM block. Um, so, like, I, I think that with the Celtics being tired, like, if you just didn't let the entry pass to BAM be super easy every single time, like, you know you have guys that can just be pests. Like, Marcus did that at points. That's how Wanamaker got some of his steals. But if you just, like, eliminate it felt a little too easy for Miami during these stretches. And I think that maybe the guys could be tired, but like, it's something I have confidence that I think they'll come back and fix. And you still, I mean, you were like, so I was watching with a friend and his feet is a little bit ahead of mine um, because we're watching over zoom. And I just hear him scream and Tatum jumps up. Tatum is about to slam it on Bam. And it just gets sent. Um, so point being, it was just a phenomenal play from Bam and the Celtics were close. Like I don't feel all too bad about this one. So the one thing I've got to say, and it's more of a question really, I've been saying this for the last few weeks on this podcast. By last few weeks, I mean last week. So I've said it last week. I consider Jason Tatum to be the best scorer in this series, but I consider Jimmy Butler to be the best closer in this series. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you, I, I want your opinions on this. I I would agree with you. I think that, you know, Jimmy's just been ridiculous for Philadelphia last year, um, for Miami this year. Like, he's just more proven with it. I would almost, like, think that Kemba and, and Tatum, like, share the responsibilities. And I know that Miami, like, you know, you'll see Hero take the last shot. Duncan Robinson could care less and take the last shot. Drogic would. Um, but for Boston, like, I think you kind of have a two-headed monster in Tatum and Walker. And, you know, they both it did good. Like, I thought, you know, Tatum did did okay during the clutch. I didn't like the last shot at the end of regulation, but he kind of lives with those sometimes. It was a little lazy. Um, Kemba hit, I think you mentioned, like, that really nice mid-range um, to close the game, even after being extremely rough. You know, we talk about a bad game. He still had 19 and six. Like, it, it's it's a bad game relative for Kemba, but I think that, like, you kind of have a two-headed closer situation, even though I like Miami's closing better. You see, for me, I like Kemba in that mid-range. I feel like that's his bread and butter to get him going, and I want to see him curling off um, pin downs to get some more of those open looks early in game two and really get him going. If he can't get going and it's he still keeps struggling with this, then in my opinion, the Celtics are going to tread water until Haywood's back and they can shore up that bench rotation a little bit. Um, then you obviously have the questions of, well, when he's healthy, is he going to be still be in the bubble or is he going to leave to be with Robin? If, you know, you expect him to leave to be with Robin. That's what everybody would want to do. Um, but I do feel like they rely so much on Kemba's offensive output um, to take that burden off JT and to kind of... Uh, that frees up Jalen Brown to do what Jalen Brown does on the weak side corners so well with those pull-up pull up frees. That if Kemba can't do that, then they are going to be treading water and this will be a seven-game series unless Kemba can really, really pull it out the bag. And I think he can. Like, Do you have, do you have confidence in him to do that? Yeah, I'm fully confident. I believe that game two, maybe if you're not getting two, it'll be game three, but we'll see a resurgence from Kemba. Yeah, I definitely think that we're going to see that as well. And And yeah, I think that you know, Brad will probably sharpen up, go to some sets a little bit. And with heavy switching of Miami, I see why that gets slowed down a bit. But I think that 
when you're throwing, you know, the poor defenders, Drogic Robinson, uh, Hero in a lot of sets, like that's where they're bound to get lost. Um, and, and sure, like you want to attack them one-on-one sometimes. I'm not saying that that needs to stop. But overall, like the Celtics were in a super winnable position here. And yeah, down one. Like I still, before going into it, I was probably Boston in six. Like this does make me say, okay, maybe it's seven here. Um, but I'm not, uh, I'm not all too worried about this. I think that, you know, Boston comes out and, and is just more aggressive and energetic in the second game. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying I, I'm, I'm expecting it to go seven um, since it got Drew. I'm quite high on Miami's wing defense. And considering the Celtics run with two very good scoring wings, coming up against a team with such good wing, wing defense doesn't always bode well. I do feel like they need to move the ball far more. If they can get that ball moving and really get back to Celtic-style basketball, then they'll be able to carve open some driving lanes and make that a success. You know, if you're getting killed with back cuts, change your rotations, you know, go zone, do whatever you need to do to kind of kill those back cuts. Take a leaf out of Toronto's book, throw a box on one at someone or whatever you need to do to, to kill those offensive sets that you seem to just be getting like they're elementary offensive sets as well and you're getting eaten with them so um i definitely want to see that change now before we wrap up what i usually like to do brendan since you've been gone and now you're back so you need to adapt is i like to quickly touch on what's going on around the league okay um it's only quick you know hard hitting five minutes max we touch on each team just let give our thoughts we'd be not doing our job correctly if we didn't start this with the Clippers losing to Denver. Which, Man. I mean, did anybody see that coming? Anybody? Because I hear crickets. Like That was a, a shock. I went to sleep literally the moment overtime ended for the Celtics. Like I literally turned the TV off, rolled over, went to sleep because it was nearly 3 a.m. I had to wake up early, so I woke up at like 7 a.m. my time which is about 11 a.m. West Coast, 11 p.m. West Coast time because I texted you straight away and you didn't respond to see how rude you are. I ended up waking up early for this one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> dude, I've had three and a half hours sleep, four hours max. Um, yeah, dude, I'm crazy. But it was like, hold on, the, the Nuggets beat the Clippers convincingly. Like, dude, man, like, I don't know what's going to change because I feel like they were one of the deepest teams in terms of bench rotations. Whether it's going to be, is Doc Rivers going to be there again next season or are they going to look for a different coach? Because, you know, this has got to be on Doc too. You can't, I think, I can't remember what, I think Stephen A said it where he was like, Doc Rivers now has lost, like, within his career, in his career, he's lost in the playoffs while holding a 3 1 lead three times. Like, it's becoming a trend. Wow. Did that happen in Boston? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe it happened in Orlando. I know that I, he didn't say what teams. And I, part of me feels like it did happen in Boston. It happened. Well, I know the other one, aside from this one, is the Clippers against the Rockets um, at the beginning of James Harden in Houston. Three, three times, because it's only ever happened, I think he said 13 times in league mm-hmm. history. And Duck oh. Rivers has three of them. And then he's lost multiple 2-1 leads as well, which obviously that's easy enough to do. Um, but... What do you see them doing in the offseason to kind of shore up this thing? Because the excuse they gave in the post game was you could tell Denver is a team that had been together longer. You could tell Denver has had those years to understand where each other's going to be. But Kawhi went to Toronto in one year and one. He comes yeah. to, you know, he comes to LA to the Clippers and doesn't win despite the increased talent. 
So I just don't know where they go from here because they mortgage their future for a ch- for a championship. Right. And I still think they have that chance to do that. Like, I think the worst thing they could do is probably overreact and screw the roster because the issue to me more was like, I felt like the whole year where we were like, yeah, the Clippers aren't like in full swing yet, but like imagine when they do and they just never did. Um, and, and I think that they do have another like tier to reach in their play. I think that they really are the best roster in the league. Um, and yeah, there were things you could point to for Doc, like, you know, playing Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell a bit too much there, um, especially together getting attacked defensively. But like a lot of it's got to fall on the players. Like Doc was not great, but I think that a lot of it's got to fall on the players for just coasting too much and just thinking they could turn it on at any point and or letting their foot off the gas. Like again in this one, you know, the game five and six were these crazy Denver comebacks in this one. I believe it was like a 15-point game in the second quarter, and Jamal Murray just goes crazy to end the second, and Denver just destroys them in the second half. And, like, how do you just get, like, so decimated in a game seven? Like, you're such a ridiculous roster, like you said. And, yeah, I, I mean, Kawhi didn't play hot in this one, and you do have to expect more of him. Same with PG. Both didn't play hot in this one. You know, four of 18 from three combined. Not good, to say the least. Also, one free throw between them. Um, you know, kind of just shows a little bit of a lack of aggression. But, I mean, I thought Kawhi played pretty good throughout the series. I think that the guys just weren't, like, they, they just didn't put enough heart into it, weirdly. Weirdly, like, from these main guys, probably... PG I'm really looking at and yeah I just don't think everybody had their foot on the gas every single time and and like I do think that we really should give credit to this Denver team too because they played damn good um and there's really like Jamal Murray I, I thought the contract was terrible I thought the contract was so bad and he and even after the Utah series I was still a little skeptical I was like you know if it was this just one series from him uh no it was not he's gone crazy at clutch times they had nobody to stop Jokic. Subak was their best option. He just sat 16, 22, and 13. Insane from Jokic. Um, three blocks, two steals there as well. Just like best player on the floor with an MVP, like two MVP candidates from last year. Do you think that Jamal Moore has been the biggest breakout guy in the bubble? Because I feel like that's unquestionable at this point. Yeah, it's got to be. It's unquestionable. Uh, for me, I'm they're the Cinderella story. At this point, I really want to see them make it to the finals. Uh, Jokic, if anyone's listened to me talk on any podcast ever, they'll know that uh, Jokic is one of my uh, NBA player crushes in terms of the way he plays. I just love the way he plays the game. I wish he was a little bit more athletic, a little bit quicker up and down the floor. But that's part of the charm, right? Like This is a guy you see in a dive bar on like, any right. random corner anywhere, just some big dude that can just drop a 50-piece on your dome in points and assists and just go right. back to the bar and do what he's doing. He's like one of those guys you see in rec league, right, that's just dominant. He's got a beer belly and you just don't understand how it's working, right? Right. It's uh, it's it's crazy to me. It's crazy. I'm still very shocked that Michael Porter Jr. continues to get minutes after his vocal outburst. Yeah, uh, and, and he has some occasional good stretches he's quite the experience he's quite yeah, the experience. He's, a, he's a roller coaster because for every point he gives you on the offense he might he might let up double on defense 
Yeah. Uh, it's a nice little ride. I, I'm excited to watch that series between them and the Lakers. And that leads us on to the Lakers to wrap up. How do you feel? Who do you think is coming through? I mean, I think it's got to be the Lakers. Like, yeah. I, I mean, Anthony Davis is stopping, or if stopping is as much as you're stopping any like superstar in the league. Davis is a good matchup for Jokic, I guess is what I'm saying here. And then I think that they have okay wing defense or a guard defense for Murray. It's not great, but like you could throw a combination of like Caruso, KCP, maybe Rondo minutes on him a bit. And yeah, I mean, if you stop their transition game, which I think the Lakers are really good at, um, Denver really, while they've had good defensive ratings the last couple of years, I've kind of seen it as fool's gold a little bit in a way. And I think that they're not as great as the numbers treat them, especially if you're playing minutes of Michael Porter Jr. and one of AD or Braun are out there. Um, so I, I, I'm, I mean, Denver should have been underdogs and you could probably say every series, but I, I mean, I still think that you got to go with the Lakers. And the Lakers, I actually think, are probably the best team in the bubble right now. Couldn't find the unmute button. Yeah, they're definitely the best team in the bubble right now. Uh, they're the team to beat. They've got the star power. They've got the playoff rondo power. That the, Don't sleep on playoff rondo. I feel like um, the only team that can beat them that's left in the bubble is the Celtics because... You know, it's the Celtics podcast. We can throw out one homer take, even if we don't fully believe it ourselves. Are you kidding me? Celtics Lakers. Like, even that's anyone. Like, Celtics fans have to want that. Like, yeah, that's anyone. At that point, if that if that, that final happens, that is who wants it more at that point. Uh, I have a friend that texted me yesterday that says he really hopes it's Heat Nuggets. I was like, man, that does not sound. Well, I'm not watching a single game of that. <laughs> That's not true. I actually would watch it. We would watch every game, but like, yeah, I know. But, and it still would be super entertaining. But like, so my boy who lives oh out in LA texted me um, late last night, like after um, I woke up to it this morning after Celtics lost, and uh, he was like, "There's no chance on earth we're seeing a, a Boston Lakers finals, and even if we do, it's Lakers in four. Um, <sighs> So he he obviously doesn't understand anything, <laughs> obviously. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna give him a pass. Let him go back to watching his soccer. Uh, guys, Brendan's back. It's been I've enjoyed this, Brendan. Have you had fun? I have, I have, and I'm looking forward to doing it regularly. We're gonna sign off with our usual sign off. So get used to this. Say bye, Brendan. Bye bye. <laughs>